listening to the long overdue podcast for this episode we're going to be talking about the writers group the decatur public library writers group and we're going to be listening to some of our members who have written a very special story for our halloween edition of the long overdue podcast that's right so for this episode you're listening to me denise and to Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hi. And we have a few members of the writers group here that are going to be sharing a story with us. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about the prompt that we gave him? We gave him a prompt for this spooky story podcast. Yes. Well, uh, our writers in our group were used to doing prompts, so this was, this was uh, business as usual for them. And, of course, it being as the season it is, we decided to redo a, something scary, something spooky, or otherwise Halloween-related, monster-related. And so we decided on classic monsters and famous monsters from different media, books, movies, television, things like that. Uh, so what we did was we sent out a list of these these famous monsters and spooky things and our writers in our group had to pick one and write a story about it. Uh, the limit was a thousand words, give or take. <laughs> Some of them did better at it than others. <laughs> I'm also in the writer's group, so... So you will be reading a story to you. I'm speaking for myself and <laughs> here. Um... But yeah, we had classic monsters, everything from, you know, werewolves and vampires and uh, ghosts and hauntings, things like that. Some famous things like Bigfoot. So creatures from all kinds of different myths and origins, all cool. sorts of stuff. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So for anybody that doesn't know about our writers group, we meet the first and third Tuesdays of the month at six o'clock. And pretty much what we do is you come in and we give you about 10 minutes to read aloud from your work and then five minutes for the group to critique. And we try to get, we try to fit everybody in that comes in to do a 15 minute slot. That's right. Um, the writer's group is for adults. 18, 18 and up. <laughs> That's right. We don't censor anything, so... If you come in and read something that saucy, we're we're good with that. We're okay. So our writers tend to write about anything. We have poets. We have children's book writers, middle grade writers, science fiction, fantasy, we horror, nonfiction, and memoir. Yep, and we have just regular literary fiction. We have a bit of everything yeah we don't specialize in any kind of genre if you if you write and you want help with your writing we are open yeah we are uh equal opportunity <laughs> uh any genre but if, if you write you can bring it sorry i'm just i'm thinking about something something that's funny i just do you share I mean, you know, 
expository writing, that's great if you're an essayist, but I'm just, it occurred to me that what if we had someone then that was in a, was like a technical writer and they wanted to, to read sections of a manual they were writing, like a user, <laughs> a user manual or something? We've never had anybody you like need that. need to provide coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think that everybody would have an open mind and listen, but I just, I'm not sure how well received that would be. What do you, what do you think? I think it would be fine. I don't know how we would really be able to provide critique with technical writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't see why not. Well, yeah. And and that's not to say that I wouldn't welcome a technical <laughs> writer. Um, It'd just be a difficult thing to critique. It's definitely not my favorite genre, but <laughs> it is a necessary, a necessary genre. So mm-hmm. if you are a technical writer that's, you know, and you want to come and share, then then go ahead that's fine we won't we will not shun you <laughs> so for this episode like i mentioned earlier we have a few members of our writers group that are going to be sharing a story that they wrote based on the prompt our first writer that is here with us today is jessica shinker say hi jessica hello and she's going to be sharing her story titled a door opened Ooh, sounds good all right jessica you're ready. Yep, let us have it. All right. There are some doors you should never open. Roger's words echoed in my head as I stood outside his bedroom door. I still remember the day he said that to me, like he was accusing me of something. When I told him I didn't understand, he apologized and never brought it up again. We had been friends since high school, never anything more, just friends. It's been over five years since I've seen him, because for five years, he's been missing. Only a week ago today, his car was fished out of a lake, discovered in the most unusual circumstances. A hiker who had been staying at a campsite area by Lake Maya made a a call to 911. The hiker claimed he had seen a woman jump into the lake that never resurfaced. Divers came to investigate, and they found Roger's car. So far, that's all they found. I shivered as I felt a cold hand touch my arm. I turned to see Pam, Roger's mom, beside me. It's all right, Kate. You don't have to go in if you're not ready. I looked at her crossly. It just doesn't feel right. Finding a car is not the same as finding Roger. He could still be alive. A mother knows, she said calmly. He would want you to have some of his things either way. Tears crept into my eyes as they burned and they slid down my face. They were tears I was not ready to shed. Never go to a place where someone has died expecting to find something, Roger had said. Why? Because you'll find something. Roger never liked that I would go to places that had a creepy history. He also wouldn't like that I was driving to Lake Maya, As the lake came into view, I saw an off-limits sign on the shore. I remember the first time Roger took me to this place. We were both 16 then. We had each told our parents we were going to stay the night with a friend, only to meet up here instead. We had made it just before sundown. I had hoped he had brought me here to tell me something special, or to give me my first kiss. But instead, he gave me my first heartbreak. I can never love you, Kate he had said without warning. I had tried to sound like I didn't care. I don't want you to love me. I just want us to be friends. 
Thanks, he replied. For what? I asked, keeping my eyes on the water. For not telling me the truth. Some people keep secrets, Kate. Sometimes, even from themselves. I frowned as I held a journal I had found in his room after Pam had finally left me alone. I didn't want her to see that I had took it. Why did all our conversations take a turn toward the strange, Roger? I examined the warm book closer. You always made me feel like I was hiding something, but I wasn't the one that made all those ominous statements. I slowly flipped through the pages until I found the last page that had been written on. It was dated January 12, 2006. I stared hard at that date. It was just a few days before Roger had disappeared. The entry read, I had another episode today. It was the worst one I had ever had. Kate was there. I knew without reading ahead what he was talking about. He called them panic attacks, and I had witnessed three of them, each one more intense than the last. They always started out the same, though. First, it started with a tightness in his chest, and then he would have difficulty breathing, and then lastly, intense pain in his gut. I remember holding him close to me, hoping I could somehow drive the pain away. I can still feel him gripping my waist. I think he had hoped I would drive it away, too. The last so-called episode his journal referred to was a scary one indeed, because the pain got so bad it brought him to his knees, and then flat on his back. I remember his eyes being full of terror. I knelt by him, but he wasn't looking at me. His eyes focused beside me, like something was there, something I couldn't see. After he recovered, I confronted him about it. I begged him to tell me what he saw. He never told me. He said it was too scary to describe. As the memory faded, I read on. Evie knows how I feel about Kate. I thought my fear of her would keep my feelings from growing stronger, but I was wrong. I love Kate. And now Evie is angry. After all this time, I still can't believe Kate can't see her. I wish I had never met her at all. It took me a few moments to process what I had just read, and then I snapped. Like a woman possessed, I slammed the journal shut and dug my cell phone out of my pocket, then dialed a number I couldn't believe I still had memorized. Hello, answered Pam. Who is Evie? I asked coldly. Kate, is that you? Of course it's me. Who is Evie? Where are you? Stop avoiding my question. Who is Evie? Stop saying her name, she pleaded. Why? And then I saw her. A faceless woman lurking behind a tree. He was supposed to be mine, came a raspy whisper but he wouldn't accept me. Only you. I stood frozen as I watched her walk out into the open. You've come back to the threshold of the door you opened so long ago. In a flash, she came at me, and then I blacked out. And that was the last day I called myself Kate. When I find Roger, he'll only love Evie. I am Kate no more. Very good. All right. Yeah, that was spooky. 
creepy. I like your performance too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, what classic monster did you pick or theme? Well, originally I had picked ghosts and hauntings, but as I wrote this story, I felt like it was headed in a different category. So I actually changed mine to a uh, demon, devil, possession type category. Cool. Kind of like Exorcist. Yeah. I think. Neat. Or Paranormal Activity. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> yes. That's interesting. The idea was that all the doors that she was visiting, finally some something came through, right? And that was Evie. Well, it, I thought it was something that they did at Lake Maya. They went to Lake Maya, and something happened there. Yeah, definitely was supposed to make you think something had happened there other than what was revealed in the story. Right. Yeah, other than him telling her that he couldn't be with her. Right. Yes, it's definitely to say that at some point, Kate must have opened a door, whether she meant to or not. Right. Like, m- metaphorically. Mm-hmm. So that's when... Evie came through. Yes. Cool. Was it hard to write this story? Not terribly. I had a lot of uh, events that inspired it that I heard from a friend. So there, it's kind of inspired by a few events that he told me about. That's right. It was inspired by real events, wasn't it? Yeah, it's I remember loosely based on real events. Very, very loosely based. Very loosely based. <laughs> very loosely, based. <laughs> loosely inspired by real events. But yes. yeah, I do. I remember you telling me how that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it kind of fits into both categories because it kind of has sort of a ghostly, haunting type possession feel. Right. Sure. So. It could go either way. Yeah. But I can see... Depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, I can see how you made that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I totally think Roger is alive somewhere, hiding. <laughs> okay. I wonder if our audience thinks the same thing. Because that was one of the other things that you kind of left... Kind of left open. Yeah. Well, if he was dead, wouldn't Evie know it? And she possessed someone. And her intent is to find him. Right. So... The extremes that he would go to to try and escape. Faked his own death by jumping his car into the lake. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot to think about there. Yes. And a lot to, to put into a short yeah. short piece of writing. That was very good. So, yeah, awesome. Well, good short pieces of writing leave you with questions and leave you thinking about what happened. Mm-hmm. Or So, I think... I think you did very well. I told her that I thought that it could be, it could be submitted to like a, a creepy pasta website, <laughs> and you could, you could, tr- uh, you know, they could be presented like it was like a true story or something. <laughs> <laughs> and because that's what I feel like that's those are the best ones are all about suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and and giving you the idea or the impression that that oh man maybe this is a real. This really happened, and this is real. Somebody really, <laughs> you know, they thought they would share this story and creep people out. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's definitely meant to be thought provoking on, on you know what, what could have happened, what could have this have meant. Uh, as a spoiler, I would I would hope somebody may have 
may have thought maybe the hiker who called was Roger himself. As a spoiler, hmm. I'm not saying that's who it was, but I I hope somebody may have may have guessed that may occur to somebody. Yeah, you know, that would be a fun theory. Hmm. But why would he do that? So somebody could find his car and think he was dead. Oh. So he wouldn't. But his nobody car, would look for him. But his car without him in it, so they yeah. might think he's alive. And it's been five years. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Is he living in the forest this whole time? Found himself a cave. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely a lot of things to think about there. Yes. Very good. That's a very good story. Cool. So our next reader. And writer is Chris. We all know Chris from the library, but he's also a member of the writers group. So he is here today to share his story called Dragon's Blood. Ooh, sounds good. All right, Chris, whenever you're ready. Okay. When they approach, it feels like tremors. Too small in magnitude to do any damage. Just enough shaking across the earth's surface to rattle dishes and set cabinet doors swinging. First one then another, and another, in a slow, rumbling cadence. As long as they stay far enough away, you can deal with it. Once they get closer, you'll know it. If not by the continuous shaking, you'll know it by the earthy petrol fumes that fill the air around you until you can hardly breathe. You'll know it by the sound of their low, slow, grinding breaths. Tremors will be the least of your worries once they get that close. It started with tremors, small, sometimes indiscernible shakes, then the earthquakes. We never had them in Texas up to this point. When the first magnitude 6 quake hit Dallas, we realized we'd made a serious mistake. It didn't stop at that, though. The reality of what we'd awoken with our careless need to pump more and more oil out of the ground was so much worse. I miss the earthquakes. We could live with the earthquakes. Energy is the lifeblood of the economy. Some people say it's information, but I'd say that comes in close second. Without energy, there's nothing. No instant transmission of information across microfiber, no entertainment on radio or television, and no way to get anywhere to even make a purchase, even if all retail somehow managed to keep functioning. Without energy, the world as we know it stops. That's why I chose to be a petroleum engineer, Of course, it pays well, but the fact that energy is so essential is why it pays so well. I wanted to find ways to get the most out of our most used source of fuel. I should have majored in renewable energy engineering instead. It's too late to stop it now, so I might as well let it be known. Big Oil saw this coming and refused to acknowledge it. So you could say all the environmentalists were right in saying the world was doomed if we kept relying on fossil fuels. Turned out it wasn't global warming, though. I would take rising sea levels and heat over what we're dealing with now. The shakes are getting more prolonged. It must be getting closer. By the time I realized what was going on beneath our feet, it was too late. Others before me must have figured it out. Once you get high enough in the corporate hierarchy, it's easy to snoop around. Big Oil has its classified secrets, just like the CIA. When their employees start finding those secrets, they would either pay them off 
or take care of them in some other way. It's, inter it's interesting, really, how long we've known. It could go all the way back to the first use of fossil fuel. All, I was doing research in some new methods of efficiency when I started stumbling across the strange files, both paper and electronic. What caught my attention were the ones later labeled BIPO, or biopetroleum organisms. I thought maybe it had to do with those tiny bugs engineered to eat up the waste from oil spills, something like that. But the earliest recording, recorded information was dated 967 BCE. It referred to an ancient Greek petroleum use, an oil seep, which led to digging. They wanted to create a well for oil, just like wells for water. They didn't expect to find a cavern with walls that breathed. They resealed the cavern and blocked the seepage. They called the oil dragon's blood. A report from Jesuit explorers referred to how the native peoples in North America would use oil seeps as well. This report is in the public domain, however parts of it have been kept secret. A monastery was to be built, and a well dug in that area to exploit this seep. The well was stopped when they found something strangely familiar to the ancient Greek dragon's blood. Up to this point, I disregarded most of the information as myth formed by the minds of less scientific times until I found reports from the last hundred years. My most alarming discovery was the report the, recently on hydraulic fracturing. I wasn't surprised I found something, as fracking has been controversial for some time, leading to political action and temporary cessation. Many blamed tremors in Texas and Oklahoma on the disruption caused by the drilling method. That was when they found me and stopped me at gunpoint. You know this can't get out to the public. Fine, don't tell the public, but stop this madness. If we know what's going on down there, then we have to stop. They've been hibernating for nearly a hundred million years. They aren't going to wake up just because of a few mosquito bites. Mosquito bites? We've been sucking them dry. We're killing them. Forget it. You're done here. And if you share this information, I can't guarantee the well-being of you or your family. So that was it. I was out. Within the next few months, the earthquake started, decimating big cities and unleashing a new terror. It's true. They've been down there for millions of years. It only took us 200 years to wake them up. Massive life forms with a high-density molecular biology. Their blood is petroleum-based, and there were tens of thousands, maybe over a million, hibernating beneath our feet. How many did we kill before they finally woke? Not enough to save us from their wrath. As far as I can tell, they're smart. When they erupted from the earth, towering over 400 meters and leaving destruction in their wake without even trying, they hit every oil well and refinery first. Then they rampaged through cities, wiping out any place where we used fossil fuels. So mostly everywhere in North America. The rumbling is so bad now that the plaster is coming off the walls. The shadows in my shelter have suddenly grown darker as the creature blocks out the moon. You see, it's their blood we've been pumping up from the ground for over a hundred years. We've been burning the lifeblood of their kin and offspring in our cars, jets, and power plants. They know this, and now that they're awake, they mean to take vengeance. Feels almost like a magnitude three now. I can smell it. The air is thick with it. 
I'm as responsible as anyone else in the oil industry for what happened. It's their blood on my hands, and I think they know. The rumbling has stopped. I go to my door now and look upon the colossus that has come for me. Very good. Very, very good. Thank so, you. you went with what theme or monster? Um, I went with kaiju, which, uh, for the unfamiliar, kaiju is a, a Japanese term that literally translates into strange beast. Uh, but the modern use of that usually refers to giant monsters like Godzilla and uh, the other monsters in that that universe, or just anything that's that's similar to that. Um, even even King Kong is sometimes referred to as a kaiju, even though uh, he originated in the United States. Mm-hmm. But uh, any of those giant monster movies are usually considered kaiju movies. Of course, you know this, Denise, because mm-hmm. you're familiar with yep. Japanese culture. But for the the sake of our viewers, uh, that's what I picked. Listeners, for the sake of our listeners, for the sake of our listeners, <laughs> that's what I picked. Um, so are they dragons or just? I I totally got sort of a Lovecraftian feel. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking more like Cthulhu type. Sure. Something. Yeah. Then J- the ancient ones or the old ones. Yeah. 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 I was getting more more of a feel of that. And also in the way that you wrote and told the story seemed very, you know Lovecraftian. Yeah. Like this impending Yeah, yeah. Force. And someone is you know, the narrator is telling someone else this story right before Something the impending happens. doom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see how you'd you'd feel that way or, you know, think that. Um Yeah. I mean I I you know, when I first started writing it, I knew what direction or what inspired it, but I wasn't sure if I was going to ever actually, you know, give a big description of the <laughs> creatures. And I thought that it would be, uh, I thought it'd be more effective to kind of leave it up to the reader's mm-hmm. mind and just give some suggestions, you know, other than, and really the only thing we know is that they're really huge. Yeah. And with petroleum blood. Yes. Petroleum blood. And they're. They're angry and rampaging, <laughs> so you know I leave it up to the leave it up to the listeners to kind of form that image in their head. Cool. Well, it was good. Good story. Thank you. I didn't know if you were going to ask me any more questions. Uh, I was going to comment that it sounds uh, pretty obvious. Your your character probably dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably so. But yeah. that is probably inevitable. Based on the story, you know, it seems like everybody was probably gonna everybody's gonna die gonna die eventually. <laughs> well, it's just yeah. I mean, like be, be killed. Everyone was going to be killed for the most part eventually. Mm-hmm. I suppose the only people that would be safe would be like you know people that are still pre-industrial, like island nations or you know yeah. things like that. They probably wouldn't mess with those people too much because there's no big cities or mm-hmm. oil wells or anything like that. So. I was curious to know where his family might have been if he had one. Because, I mean, it was mentioned. The people that caught him, you know, mentioned his wouldn't, might not be, his family might not be safe, including himself. So I'm wondering if maybe he sent them away. Or maybe this, think, maybe this whole story is his confession to them. Hmm. Like, why this I is got happening. The, the feel that he was alone somewhere. Yeah. In a, yeah. He's definitely alone. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and if if it weren't for the limitation, I pro- I might have included something about his family. Like I wanted, I thought about including something about his wife. You know, possibly being one of those environmentalists, and him. You know, wishing he could be there, or wishing she could be there to say, "I told you so." That a big lizard just ran down the floor. <laughs> okay, I was like, like what? Like, are you doing? Like this? I saw it too. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't a kaiju. Okay. I thought, you were, just, I thought you were just being creepy. No. <laughs> I was like, what are you looking at? But yeah, no, I'm sorry. I got distracted. But yes, I was I was thinking, you know, he could say something about how he wishes she was here so he could hear her say that I told you so, mm. you know. But um, but yeah, I, I was inspired to write this story because uh, the first thing I thought of was, you know, the oil is their blood, and I just went with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some ways, it kind of is a parallel to traditional kaiju stories because I know that originally Godzilla was supposed to kind of be a, a representation of like nuclear disaster mm-hmm. and things like that. Also awakened, yeah, in the depths of the ocean. Right, right, and um, and so you know, I wasn't going to go with nuclear, and I thought, well, you know. It's kind of similar because we depend on a lot on fossil fuel for energy, mm-hmm. and I was like, so what if there's a there's a kaiju or something that that you know kind of represents that? And I don't know, I don't know if it creeps everybody else out as much, but I just think that it, the thought of that is really mm-hmm. creepy that we're pumping out their blood <laughs> and using that to to fuel our economy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a creepy story. Good. I hope that. Our listeners are creeped out as well. That's what I was going for. Well, that was kind of the point of the episode. Yeah. Well, I know that not all of our readers are going to have really creepy stories. Um, I have Tammy, who's going to be reading with us today. And she said that she's going to write a... She She said she was going to do something... That she doesn't do scary stories. Right. So she'll probably be doing more of a children's type story. But we'll just have to see. Yeah. When she reads it for us. Yes. So if creepy is too much for you. you (laughs) Hers should be a good, fun story. Yeah. And so next up we have Tammy Rainey. Hello. Hi, Tammy. And she's going to be reading her story, which is called The Good Fairy Bigfoot. And for this very special Halloween episode of the Long Overdue Podcast. Okay, Tammy, whenever you're ready. All right. Mine is called The Good Fairy Bigfoot. The Watson family bounced down the gravel road in the pickup truck pulling the camper as they headed for their yearly camp out. Hannah fidgeted and Jackson played with his new slingshot in the back seat, anxiously awaiting the sight of Bluff Creek Campgrounds. What did you bring that for? Hannah asked. I'm going to be like little bunny Foo-Foo hopping through the forest and bopping the field mice on the head, Jackson said as he pulled back on the slingshot. Mama, did you hear that? Hannah warned. If you're not careful, the good fairy Bigfoot might come after you. You know this is a stomping ground, right? Mom said as she continued to drive. I'm not afraid of a big hairy dude. I'll bop him on the head, too. Mama, Jackson's going to hurt Bigfoot. Jackson, I better not catch you hurting any animals on this camp trip 
or I'll take that slingshot away. Jackson grinned at Hannah as he aimed his slingshot at the window and sang quietly, Little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest. Hannah leaned over. You do know the good fairy comes down and poof, little bunny foo-foo is gone, right? Jackson just grinned. The good fairy has to catch me first. Mom turned the truck into Bluff Creek Campground. You know, Jackson, this is the very campground where Roger Patterson filmed the first known images of Bigfoot in 1967. Everybody knows it was a hoax, Mom. Bigfoot is not real. Jackson rolled his eyes. The Indians would disagree with you. The Indian legend says Bigfoot is the protector of the animals. If humans were cruel to the animals, Bigfoot would appear out of the shadows. He can appear all he wants. I'm not afraid. I bet Hannah is. Jackson towered over her and growled. I'm little bunny foo-foo. Stop it! Hannah screamed at Jackson. Better watch out or the good fairy Bigfoot will scoop you up and bop you on the head and then poof, you're gone. Hannah stuck her tongue out at Jackson. I'd stick that nasty thing out of my mouth too, Jackson teased. Both of you stop it! Let's find our spot for the camper, Mom said. They picked a campsite surrounded by trees and close to the creek. After setting up camp, Hannah wandered down the creek where she spotted a rabbit. She crept closer, hoping not to startle it, when swish! Something whizzed by Hannah and hit a bush. The rabbit scurried away. Hannah swirled around in time to see Jackson holding his slingshot and laughing so hard his face was red. Did you see that rabbit run? And you spin, little bunny foo-foo. Jackson, Mama told you not to do that, Hannah scolded. No, Mom said not to hurt any animal. I didn't hurt that rabbit. I just made it run through the forest like little bunny foo-foo was after him. Jackson laughed so hard he snorted, and Hannah fumed. You better stop it, Jackson, or Bigfoot is going to get you. Jackson, Mom hollered from the camper. I need you to get the firewood out of the back of the truck so we can get the campfire going. Great, I'm starving. Jackson ran past Hannah and bopped her on the head. Little bunny foo-foo. Mama! Jackson, you be nice to your sister. The good fairy Bigfoot could appear and poof, you're gone. He's afraid of the big bad Bigfoot. Not me. Jackson danced all the way to the truck. Hannah heard a bush rustle behind her. Thinking the rabbit had returned, she whispered, Run, little rabbit, or the little evil evil bunny Jackson's going to bop you on the head. And the bush replied, Hannah shrieked in surprise. She cautiously peered into the shadows, trying to figure out why a bush would growl. Then, deep in the forest, a tree bent down and scooped up what looked like a little rabbit. What? Hannah! Mom called out. Hannah was so startled that she spun around, lost her balance, and fell in the creek. Dang it. Hannah! Over here, Mama. Come and help get dinner ready. She stood up, dripping wet, and stared into the trees. But the image was gone, sloshing back to the campsite, turning around every few steps, still uncertain about what she had witnessed. The hot dog dinner with s'mores and her dry clothes couldn't keep Hannah from believing that she had seen Bigfoot for real. Not wanting Jackson to follow her, she slinked back to the creek after dinner. She was going to prove Bigfoot was real to Jackson. 
She reached the creek bank, only to see a rabbit hop out from under a bush. You came back! Swish! Something whizzed by Hannah and hit the tree, causing the rabbit to escape to a hollow log. Hannah whirled around to see Jackson slingshot in hand and moving closer. I'm going to get that rabbit yet! Run, rabbit! Concerned for the rabbit, Hannah ran to the log, only to be devastated by what she saw. Oh, no! The rabbit is stuck! Great! Jackson slid down beside the log. Little bunny foo-foo! Mama! Jackson's hurting the rabbit! Cry, baby. Mama can't hear you. She's in the camper. Jackson laughed. Hannah was fuming. With a wicked look in her eyes, she tilted her head back, and with all her might, she yelled, Bigfoot! You think that dude is going to show up and help you? Jackson teased. He rolled on the ground, laughing so hard he bumped into a tree. Wow, this tree stinks. Uh, Jackson? That is not a tree, Hannah said. Jackson looked up as the tree bent down and snatched the slingshot out of his hand. Jackson froze. Who's laughing now, little bunny foo-foo? Hannah trudged over and looked up at the massive beast. Bigfoot, the rabbit is stuck in the log. Bigfoot stepped over the frozen Jackson and sent the slingshot zooming through the air. Reaching down, he delicately picked up the log and gingerly scooped out the rabbit. He examined the small creature for a moment, then bent down and opened his gigantic hand. The calm little rabbit hopped away. The nine-foot giant guardian of the forest stood, glanced over at Hannah, and smiled. Then Bigfoot turned to face Jackson. (laughs) Taking massive steps back to the forest, Bigfoot passed Jackson. Bending down, he whispered into Jackson's ear, and kept walking. Did you see that? The good fairy Bigfoot just poofed you. (laughs) Hannah was laughing so hard, tears were rolling down her cheeks. Mama! Jackson ran, but tripped into the creek, landing face first into the muddy creek bed. Little bunny foo-foo, you've been bopped. Way to go, Bigfoot, Hannah hollered. Mama! Jackson scrambled to the camper and spent the rest of the troop searching out the window for the good fairy Bigfoot. <laughs> very good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And a very good <clears throat> performance as well. Oh, yeah. well, thank you. <clears throat> so this one was not scary. This one was definitely on the cuter, lighthearted side, which is good after Chris and Jessica's stories. We needed a... I don't do scary well good because that's what we needed after after that (laughs) but it was it was scary for for Jackson oh Jackson had a bad day Jackson had a bad day but he deserved it Mm -hmm. I agree Mm -hmm. a benevolent Bigfoot figure in this story the the protector of woodland creatures and, That's right. and little sisters. And little sisters <laughs> and the bully to bullies. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So what made you choose Bigfoot for your story? Well, like I said, I don't do scary. So I looked at the list that I was given, mm-hmm. and I was trying to think, now how can I make someone out of this not the bad person? And so I went with Bigfoot. 
And, of course, I wrote it several different ways. I had a Girl Scout troop at one time, and, and, um, and I changed it. And, and then I went with a mom taking her kids out on a camp trip. Yeah. And, and, to, and then I added some facts where, you know, like the, the camp, Bluff Creek gra- campgrounds is, is where he's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. in existence, and people go there hoping to see him now. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I turned it that way, and I had to... I wanted to make sure it had some kind of funny because I didn't yeah. want people to leave scared. And, of course, my stories I want to have a lot of pictures with. So I thought this would be a good one that we could do, uh, like trees, and kind of camouflage him into all the, the mm-hmm. background as they're traveling down the dirt road and stuff like that. So I thought it would make it, make it easy to do. That's cool. Yeah. I liked that he was smelly. Because I know oh. that in some Bigfoot legends they talk about how like you can tell he's coming, like you can smell him. Before he get that. Yeah, that's why I, I added the smell. I added the smell before because I made a before I started. I made a list of all the facts that I could. Well, if you want to call them facts about sure. Bigfoot, uh, and that was one of them. And I thought, oh, that'd be something funny you could put in there because it's kind of hard to pick out the funny ones because you know he's supposed to be this right. mystical, right? Yeah, creature that nobody knows anything about. Mm-hmm. So he was fun to research though. That's cool because cool. you know it's you can't fact check. Right, because you know nobody has any facts. It's all <laughs> speculation, know. and it's and I think it was like in Russia or somewhere he's on an endangered species list because no one's ever seen him, so they can't count them and they don't know how many there are, right. and, and so and I was like, oh, that's that's not fact checking there either. But that's okay. <laughs> that would have been funny to put in there. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. Maybe I can write that in later. Yeah, when I don't yeah. have a word count. Right, right. In the back. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, that that was great. That was really great. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be the highlight of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, so, and then, of course, you know, my my audience is children. Where mm-hmm. you guys write for adults, and they can handle the scary. Yeah. But I don't even, as an adult, do scary. Beetlejuice makes me s- sleep uneasy. Oh, okay. <laughs> So we don't watch anything scary, and that's when we're picking a movie. That's all. Is it scary? If it's scary, we don't watch it. Mm-hmm. So, so I had to find something that I could make fun. Mm-hmm. And I guess technically, you could probably make them all fun. Sure. But yeah, I was thinking more of the artwork too. I mm-hmm. wanted yeah. to make it where I could camouflage him into the trees and stuff like that. Yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. So. Tammy, how long have you been a part of the writers group? I guess I started a year ago. It's been about a year. Because yeah. I started, I think, right before school started, and then I had to stop mm-hmm. while Thomas was in football season, and then I started back. And so I've been here about a year now. Cool. We've changed, and we're pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It's a great group. Mm. I mean, and it's everybody's so different in their writing and their writing styles, and everybody's so supportive. Mm. It makes a really nice, comfortable group to come to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I think we've tried really hard to, to achieve that. Yeah. Well, you've done an excellent job. Thank you. We even have tea. Not that I'm a tea drinker. I'm a cold tea drinker. But <laughs> we have tea, and every now and then we have cookies. Every now and then we'll, we'll have a festive a little festive party. Celebration. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a going away party and for someone who doesn't, has already gone away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a great group. And um, I guess this is the third group I've been involved with, and I really feel very comfortable with this group. Oh, well, good. And it's something that's very special because, you know, you don't have these everywhere. I know when I lived in Denton, I was, it was hard trying to find a, a group to go to. And uh, we, 
I'm not even sure how I met all those those girls, but I, I we ended up with three, and then to come over here and have as many as you have in your group mm-hmm. made it really kind of nice. Well, good. So if we haven't mentioned already, the writing writers group meets every first and third Tuesday of the month at six o'clock, at six o'clock. in the meeting room. Doors open at five thirty, so you can come make your tea. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> tea and stuff available. And it's very nice to be able to share our writings. Mm-hmm. And everybody's really good about being very positive in their critiques mm-hmm. and still being able to, you know, help us grow mm-hmm. as writers. Because mm-hmm. to be able to give you something helpful. Because you know, that's what you're here for, you know, yeah. to grow. And you need to hear, oh, you've got a hole here, or you've got a hole there, you've mm-hmm. got to fix. So it makes I it think, nice. I think it really helps out when you're reading it out loud, mm-hmm. too. Because mm-hmm. as you're reading it out loud, if you're like, oh, that, that's a chunky bit of sentence there that i can't you know yeah. can't chew on that yeah so but also it helps though whenever somebody else hears it for the first time mm-hmm. and they go well, you know that part didn't make sense mm-hmm. or would she really say that you know that didn't sound like her character you know because i don't know how y'all are when you write but i i can rewrite something 50 times and I, and i've thought i put it in there but mm-hmm. really didn't and then mm-hmm. i have to go back and go oh you're right i left that part out or mm-hmm. You know, so it's been a great group for me. Oh, good. 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 All right. Okay. Well, I think that's that's everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed our spooky stories and our lighthearted, fun Bigfoot story. I know I did. Thank you. And so that'll be that's it. That's it. Have a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And we will, hopefully, you'll get to hear us again next week with another episode of the Long Overdue Podcast.